Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Patrick Donahoe. He is the president of uh, Paradigm Life. Uh, welcome to the show. It's nice to be with you. Uh, it's great to be with you, Jordan. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. So let's just do a little bit of your background uh, before you became the financial planner that you are. Uh, just kind of a brief history of your uh, you know history before you got to where you are now. Wow. Well, I've been doing what I'm doing now for uh, for a while since uh, 2000 2007. Uh, but yeah, you know I. I I, I discovered what I was doing just a couple years out of uh, at a college, and so I, you know, I, I grew up on the East Coast and played hockey in college for a few years. Uh, then I did a uh, a church service for a couple of years. Then I moved to Utah and didn't know anybody, but I uh, finished school up here and and uh, met through both uh, hockey and uh, uh, and school, uh, just a, a group. And I lined up with them and learned sales and uh, learned some financial ideas, learned online marketing. And this was back, you know, 2005, 2006. Uh, then I met a financial advisor who's actually the uh, the personal financial advisor for Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, I read a couple of her books and I uh, met up with her and she became my mentor. And so I learned uh, a, a different way of approaching personal finance that, uh, you know, is, is atypical. Uh, and uh, and I've been doing that since, uh, like I said, 2007. Uh, but it, it's mostly been online, right? So most financial advice, financial planners and services is, is you know, oddly enough, still done, uh, you know, face-to-face over, uh, you know, a conference room table uh, or at your kitchen table. And so, you know, we've we, I've done business uh, online through video conferencing and, and uh, and so forth, you know, since uh, since 2007, and uh, you know, I got a kind of a wake up call 2008 2009 when you know a, a lot of uh, the typical strategies that uh, individuals think are going to get them certain results or outcomes came crashing down, and I learned you know quite a bit about uh, you know just some of the other side of the spectrum when it comes to people's expectations and you know the actual opposite of that, uh, which is a lot of a uh, lot of failure, a lot of disruption, and. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was humbling to me just seeing what people were going through, and uh, so I wrote the book. You know, I wrote a book recently, uh, last year, uh, 2018, and and it, a lot of it just tells uh, tells the story about you know a lot of what uh, individuals think is uh, you know going on with their finances and the outcomes that they're expecting, uh, but what how that conflicts with a lot of the numbers that you see when it comes to uh, what people are actually getting as a result in personal you know personal financial planning. So the name of your book is called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. This is kind of taken from the point of view of Wall Street, basically, that Wall Street is always winning and the individual investor is losing. Is that what you mean by that title? Well, here, so here's a, <laughs> a lot of the heads I win, tails you lose. You know, it's a, it's a saying that has multiple meanings. And I didn't realize that until, uh, you know, Donald Trump and his uh, campaign. And, and uh, it, it's used quite often uh, in a different context. So the, the original... Heads I win, tails you lose is basically to set yourself up so that you never lose. And so that that is kind of the notion is, okay, what's a what's a financial strategy that you can set up and not and not lose? And that's essentially what the book is a uh, book is about. But I look at, you know, yeah, Wall Street and and banking is is set up for the benefit of the guys that actually advocate it and, and propagate it, not necessarily the uh, the end user or the uh, the end uh, individual. So you talk about Wall Street uh, promoting debt. As far as credit cards and mortgages and lines of credit, um, promoting 401ks where your m- money's tied up for a long period of time, promoting mutual funds. What is wrong with the kind of traditional system that Wall Street is promoting? 
Well, I think there's two two inherent things that uh, that are that are, and maybe it's not wrong. It's like this is it's set up. This is what they offer, and I, I don't think inherently that they're bad. I just think that the expectations people have as far as what's going to be done for them is way out of uh, alignment to what the actual results are. And so, yeah, so I, I step back and I look at, okay, what is, what's the origin of the retirement system? Because the word retirement, you know, didn't really exist until the, you know, to this kind of modern, modern era. And it, you know, really the idea goes back to uh, the same source of our education system, which is uh, Otto von Bismarck and, you know, how uh, Prussia and Germany were set up. And, you know, I, I look at, you know, what, uh, what the idea of retirement uh, is, you know, not necessarily natural to uh, to life. I mean, it didn't really exist until modern uh, financial planning. People just didn't, you know, retire. So the idea in, in and of itself is, I think, flawed because, uh, you know, number one, we're meant to produce, we're meant to work, we're meant to contribute. And I think something dies in us when we're no longer doing that. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, you look at just the, the history of the retirement services industry, right? And you had pensions that were the original kind of retirement plan. Uh, but when those failed and bankrupted companies uh, because of the obligations companies took on for a really long time, you know, that's when, uh, you know, the what we know today as typical financial services, whether it's mutual funds, 401ks, def, you know, def, uh, tax or plans that defer tax until you're 60 years old. Right. Those are no one's really fully retired off of those uh, yet. And, you know, so I look at just what the results are, of whether it's returns, net returns, after fees and so forth. Right. It, it isn't uh, it isn't that pretty. It's not getting the results that people want. And they're falling way short of what uh, the you know, the current uh, expectations are. And I don't think people are going to be able to uh, retire uh, and not retire for for that long. So your strategy is what you call a perpetual wealth strategy, which is a different way of doing things uh, than you would normally uh, have. So just uh, and and basically you're using uh, a form of uh, uh, cash value life insurance from a mutual insurance company. So let's kind of go into that a little bit before we get to the details. Just tell us what is the overall goal of the perpetual wealth strategy, and how is it different from traditionally what people get from Wall Street? Uh, well, the other overall goal is to, you know, achieve a level of uh, financial independence as soon as possible, uh, as opposed to the age of 60 years old or 65 years old. And, you know, that that equation is uh, a function of, yeah, the financial vehicles that you use. But I would say the insurance side of it, I know we're going to go into some details, but that's that's not the end all be all. It's just the foundation. Uh, but I, I look at, you know, really how our society has evolved and I don't think individuals, number one, uh, like naturally can't can stop contributing and have a you know successful, fulfilling life lifestyle. And so I look at you know really the the modern era and the jobs that exist that you can do you know 10, 15, 20 hours a week from you know anywhere on on planet Earth, right? As long as you have an internet connection, uh, they're available. And most people don't realize you know these are uh, these are opportunities. And I think if you really look at uh, you know, positioning yourself and what your career is and getting training and certification, investing in yourself, making yourself more valuable, uh, then you align with whatever those uh, positions, uh, employment positions are, whether it's consulting or whether it's freelance work. Uh, but there's a lot of companies now that have a lot of virtual, uh, a lot of virtual employees. Uh, you know, WordPress is one of them that has thousands of them. So the idea is that, you know, you essentially create a financial foundation where it's 
reserves, cash, liquidity that has decent growth. You have a savings plan to an extent. Uh, but then the primary investment is yourself and investing in things that you can, you know, that you can do uh, to improve how much money you make uh, and then figure out ways in which you can create a lifestyle that is a combination of your assets, the cash flow that comes from your assets, uh, as well as a, a meaningful career. That's kind of how we define working 10, 15, 20 hours a week in something that you love to do, but it's on more of your own terms instead of an employer's. Uh-huh. So the, the key account that you use as part of the perpetual wealth strategy is what you call the wealth maximizer account. Just describe briefly what that account is and what, what are the tools used inside that WMA. Yeah, so the wealth maximization account is uh, basically just a uh, a way you can set up uh, life insurance, and it's set up for uh, more of a growth as opposed to protection. And uh, so it's setting it up that way and getting you know very prudent re- uh, returns uh, with uh, tax benefits as well as uh, liquidity uh, that has you know over a hundred years of not losing any money. And so it's one of those things where it sets as, sits as the foundation. We call it your tier one capital. And funny enough, you know this is. This is where a lot of banks, uh, banks and corporations, they actually set up these types of uh, insurance policies on uh, employees, and they keep and, and use those as their tier one capital, like their most, uh, you know, valued reserves. And it's you know me- measured more than anything else when it comes to uh, bank stress tests. So you look at you know that as sitting at your foundation, and it's because of its performance, its liquidity, its protection, its safety. Uh, but then you also look at a uh, a financing side that it has. So insurance companies, you know, they uh, with certain policies and certain types of companies will actually give a line of credit against the uh, the actual value of the policy itself. Uh, that you know has very favorable terms, low interest rates uh, that you can use. Whether it's making investments in yourself. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of other opportunities there uh, that I talk about in the book. You know, but that's that's the idea of having that as your that as your foundation, uh, and that's where that's you know pretty much where we start. But then from there, you know, it really has to do with uh, you know the the person in question and what uh, level of financial education they have, what they're doing for their career. Uh, but yeah, that's where I see financial freedom as possible is with the equation of having that as your foundation. Uh, plus you have a, a strategy to invest in yourself, make yourself more valuable so, and then make more money. Uh, but then also, uh, you know, align yourself with a, a position, a job, a career that, uh, you know, that is associated with your strengths, your abilities, stuff that you'd like to do that you can do for the rest of your life. Yeah. So let's talk about the insurance component of this, because the traditional sure. view of particularly whole life insurance is that it has very low returns, it has high fees, big commissions of various types, yep. it grows very slowly over time, and when you borrow against it, it's at high interest rates, so it's not a good way. Most traditional people would say, buy term, which is cheap, invest the difference in stocks and mutual funds, and you'll do far better. Describe <laughs> what's wrong with that kind of traditional view of insurance from your point of view. Well, I mean, there's there's multiple points of view, even more on top of that when it comes to policies that are designed with mutual funds inside of them as opposed to, you know, what, what we advocate, which is just overfunded whole, li- whole life with a mutual company. Uh, but yeah, you look at the buy term invested difference and, you know, you, you said traditional, but that, that actually is a strategy that came about in the 80s. So it's a typical strategy. It's not necessarily the traditional one because, you know, again, if you're if you're a mutual fund company and you look at people giving you money, right? 
then it has to you know go to you instead of somebody else. And so I look at you know just the campaign associated with uh, you know being able to buy cheap insurance and then you know earn fifteen to twenty percent in a mutual fund, which is obviously unrealistic. Uh, and you're going to outperform uh, whole life. And but I think the assumptions right is where the assumptions and the results uh, really is what tells uh, tells the truth because that hasn't been that hasn't been the case. And so you look at you know whole life, and it's not necessarily to replace an investment. I mean, it's not an investment in and of itself, right? But it sits as the foundation, right? And it's a foundational vehicle that people usually will put bonds into or cash into. It's just it provides better tax benefits and uh, better better returns. Uh, and then you look at also the expense side of things, which I think is also really interesting to um, you know to analyze. And I did that in the book. We have a whole spreadsheet that talks about you know the typical fees with uh, mutual funds as well as you know, uh, qualified plan wrappers and that, you know, the, the fees that you end up uh, paying over the course of time versus the fees that are charged with an insurance policy. And you have hundreds of percent more uh, fees inside of the typical mutual fund and 401k setup than you have in insurance. But again, that's in the book, you know, there's, we have a whole spreadsheet and research there that was done to, uh, to, to prove that out. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, again, it it comes down to, he said, she, uh, she said, but if you think about, you know, way in which, uh, Robert Kiyosaki identifies opportunities. There's not a bad opinion and a good opinion. There's two opinions, right? And he calls it the three-sided coin, right? You have one side, which is heads, one side, which is tails that represent two different opinions. But the third side, which is the edge, is where you take both sides, you sit on the edge and you figure out, okay, I don't care who said what I or, or who's right and who's wrong. I care about what's right and what's right for me. And if people do that, they're going to, uh, I, w- I would say, be shocked. So let's talk about how you can use this in your own life, the WMA account. So uh, insurance, it's not as though you put a huge amount of money in up front and borrow it out right away. It has to be, you have to pay premiums for several years for it to build up before you can build up cash value to borrow out. Is that the way it works? Um, and that's that's a yeah that's a perspective. It can be set up where it does take a really long time to to establish cash value and be able to uh, you know u- use some of it for whatever the purpose is. But the the wealth maximization account again it goes to a specific design where it's designed for immediate cash value. And uh, so there is there are ways in which you can set it up that's you know compliant with the IRS regulations, uh, where you do have you know 60, 70, 80, sometimes more percent of what you put in the first year uh, that's available to to use, and that's you know available to use immediately. Is this true for all mutual whole life insurance companies, or are there some that do it better than others that you would use? Well, it, yeah, it comes down to uh, mutual mutual companies don't all allow for this type of, uh, of setup of insurance. But, uh, you know, the, the more popular ones, New York Life, Mass Mutual, uh, you know, Northwestern Mutual, they, uh, they, they allow for it. Some of them restrict the use of uh, borrowing or using cash value in the first year. Uh, but the ones that we typically uh, use and advocate uh, do allow for that. So what would be the ideal way to do this? You start when you're in your 20s or you start relatively young you pay, you might not have a big salary at that point, so you may be contributing less, but over time you want to contribute more, and then you borrow it out uh, in retirement as an annuity, and just kind of go through the st- strategy of how you'd actually implement this. No, that's a great, that's a great question. Well, it depends, yeah, it really depends on uh, the person's situation at the time. If, obviously, obviously, if it's a, a younger individual, they're going to be restricted as to how much they can put in, right, because they're paying off student loan debt, Entry, entry, uh, you know, entry level wages. So you could start small there. You can start on little kids. I mean, I have I have a number of policies on my three kids, 
and you can start really, you know, really small and have them build up over the course of time. Uh, but you also have those that are already established, have already built wealth, have already, you know, uh, accumulated money in a 401k or an IRA or equity in, inside of real estate. And so the strategy, you know, at that point uh, is is ultimately to still set up a wealth maximization account. But you take into consideration both the be, you know, the ability to borrow, the liquidity side of it, uh, but you also can position it as uh, the legacy legacy asset. Where you establish essentially, you know, a death benefit or money that will transfer to your uh, beneficiaries. But what that does, it allows you to do a higher uh, withdrawal rate on other on other assets, right? And so, if you look at, you know, the research and the analysis that's been done in regards to uh, the distribution rates with, you know, securities or portfolio-based assets, right? It's it's insanely low just because of the amount of volatility out there. Uh, so right now, you know, for a twenty-year period of time. Uh, factoring in inflation, uh, it's a three and a half percent withdrawal rate from securities-based assets. But if you look at, you know, one of the things you said, Jordan, which is, you know, how can you annuitize? Uh, how can you annuitize it? Yeah. What you can do essentially is you can annuitize other assets, and if if this is in place, because if you look at it, what an annuity is uh, versus life insurance, annuity is insurance from living too long. Life insurance is is essentially, uh, you know, protection from uh, dying too soon. So. Basically, what you're able to do is annuitize other assets. And right now, you know, for a 65-year-old, you know, rates as far as a pure income annuity is concerned, not no deferred annuities or variable annuities or anything like that. This is just like pure income annuities, right? You can you can get you know six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent, you know, depending on the situation, which is obviously much higher than the three and a half percent distribution. Now, the trade-off is that you know if you you know annuitize an asset and pass away. The stream of income goes away. However, if the wealth max- maximization account is set up, the life insurance is set up, that will pay out. And so it's one of those things where you can kind of straddle both sides of the insurance, uh, you know, insurance uh, company, right? Where they're so, obviously insuring for people living too long, and also providing insurance for people that uh, you know prematurely pass. So the idea is that you're going to get a death benefit on the insurance side, whereas with the annuity, if the person, the annuitant, dies, you basically have lost the principal. Correct. That's the big difference between the two. Okay, so let's talk oh, about yeah, but yeah, the insurance pays out when the annuity goes away. That's the idea is that you have you have it set up and usually the ratio is one to one, right? So if you you know are annuitizing two hundred thousand dollars of uh, of assets, you want two hundred thousand dollars of life insurance in place, right? The wealth ma- wealth maximization upon uh, in place. The so two of them work together is what you're saying. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So if one goes away, if you know the annuitant uh, passes away, then life insurance pays out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk about the process that you go through at Paradigm Life. So somebody comes to you with a typical, some mutual funds, some stocks, 401ks, maybe some term insurance. How do you go through taking what they have and converting it into the perpetual wealth strategy that you talk about? That's a great, uh, great question. So you know, usually what we have, you know, the the software that uh, that we've developed, and you know, we use uh, another software of that mentor that I had mentioned. Uh, her name's Kim Butler. Like her, she and her company um, have developed a software around everything that we do. So what we'll what we'll typically do is take a person's situation, 
uh, and then we'll model out, you know, what their future looks like uh, over the next 10, 20, 15, 30 years uh, and, you know, actually show what the results will be of what they're currently doing. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll show another path. And that path is essentially, you know, incorporating some of the principles that we've talked about here. It could be setting up one policy, multiple policies. It could be, you know, uh, factoring in the potential to annuitize. It could it could be, you know, as a there, there's not enough money that the assumptions are, well, you know, you're saving 10% of your income, but you really need to be saving 30 to 35, right? So, in the end, you know, the idea is essentially to put a person on a better path than what the typical financial plan offers. And, uh, and so that's where we'll, you know, really determine where savings is going, whether it's a 401k or an IRA or somewhere else. And we'll maybe redirect some of that to, you know, to insurance. Uh, and, but if people already have established assets, right, that's when they can continue to do maybe some of what they're already doing, but then prepare for, you know, potentially annuitizing those assets, but you're going to have to pair off of some of the contributions in order to set up the insurance policy. But either way, I mean, the end result of working with with clients is that we give them a, we give them a path and show them where they'll be without uh, changing anything, right? But then we'll yep. also give them a path and show them, okay, here, here are some adjustments that you can make and uh, this is the results that you'll that you'll wind up with. Um, but in the end, I've done a million of these, and that's where I, I'll tell you, like what I said in the beginning, it's like people don't know, they don't realize how much money is required, you know, to really, you know, truly retire for a good 20, 25 year period of time. I think people are, you know, if they knew, if they understood the math, then they'd they'd realize that it's going to take, you know, 30, 40 percent uh, of their savings to actually just, you know, to retire off of what their current income is. So how would the plan you just described be different from what people would get if they go to a traditional life insurance agent? Um, it's a great, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think most life insurance uh, these days, it's, it's kind of, there's two camps, right? You have one camp that's the, you know, the insurance agent slash uh, typical financial planner, a planner. Uh, but then you also have just pure life insurance person. So, and I think we fall kind of in the, in the middle. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, refer to ourselves as as financial advisors. We, you know, carry Series 65 and are able to provide investment advice. We don't have any assets under management. Uh, but the the idea is to, you know, is to really look at, okay, what piece does insurance play? Because I think a lot of insurance guys, you know, think it's the end-all be-all. And I don't believe that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it, it, it is the foundation, but then there are a lot of other things based on who the individual is that, uh, that sit on top of that. You know, and so that's where, again, I, I, I know that there's a lot of other financial advisors out there that are that are pretty amazing and uh, and and do good and get good results. Uh, I would say the typical financial planner, you know, is just uh, you know a, sa- a salesperson to an extent, taught to sell you know balanced portfolios and you know this percentage of uh, equities, this percentage of bonds, and you know, and then put all your money there and then buy cheap term insurance and hope you have more money, you know, at the end. But you know, which is typically not the case. But yeah, the idea is that you have to do your due diligence even with us. And that's what separates us, I think, is because because we're on online, because we do all of our business over the internet, you know, we've had to put a tremendous amount of resource and uh, and focus into online education. So you can learn about a hundred percent of what we do uh, for for nothing. You can go onto our website and uh, and register for our our e-learning, uh, and you can essentially learn. Uh, without having to ever talk to somebody and feel like you're getting sold. I mean, we're big on financial education. We want this to be the right decision, uh, and and that's why we put so much uh, so much effort into actually, you know, creating a space where somebody can learn on their own to see if it is uh, viable for their situation. So, what? Just tell us a little bit more about the resources available at your website, 
which is paradigmlife.net. Yeah, so th- so we've you know, this will, this is our I think fourth fourth version of like a e-learning uh, platform, and so it basically houses uh, video tutorials. There's some you know quizzes and check your understanding things in there. Uh, there's some worksheets and spreadsheets. And uh, we also have, you know, a number of, of articles that apply to different situations. I mean, I, I wrote an article, you know, before the book that was, you know, how to get a 10% raise uh, every year for the rest of your life, which is, you know, essentially what we were talking about, where it's investing in yourself and figuring out how to make more money. And, you know, over a 30-year period of time for $100,000 of income, you know, there's a, a difference of about $11 million in total earnings uh, between that and the person that typically, you know, gets the 3% annual raise. So there's that in there that gives ideas of, okay, what can you do to, you know, learn more about yourself, which is, you know, taking personality tests like Myers-Briggs or Finders or Colby and, and then figuring out, you know, what, what are the positions that are out there that align with my strengths? And then how do you maximize those, uh, get your training, your certifications, you know, so there's articles like that. Um, we also work with a lot of real estate, uh, real estate investors, uh, who already are thinking outside the box when it comes to you know their their finances, their personal finances, and so we work with them as far as incorporating you know this into you know an overall real estate investment game plan. Uh, so we have a course that goes through goes through that. We have a course for families. We have a, a course for you know those that are maybe approaching retirement age and what are the options for them. So anyway, yeah. So it, there's a lot of stuff on there, and you know, it's it's pretty uh, easy to navigate. So you just have to, to you know create a uh, create a, a username and in uh, a, a login, and you're there. So let's talk about some of the ways that you can use the money when you're borrowing money out of your wealth maximi- maximization account. There are different ways to use it that you think makes sense. One of them is real estate. How how should you borrow out and make it worthwhile investing in real estate. Yeah, and I just want to clarify one one thing. So if you look at and this is again it's 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 a different strategy that's why it may seem somewhat confusing, but the insurance company actually lends their money against it, right? Insurance ins- you know your ca- your cash, the money that's yours that's growing, right, is uh, doesn't doesn't get get touched, right? And so that's where uh, the insurance company gives a loan from their other accounts or other assets against your 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 plan. So you have that money growing plus you have use through a through a policy loan which right now interest rates are anywhere from 4 to 4 to 6%. Uh, and you can use that like I said for for a variety of things. So I'll address the real estate first then I'll go to the personal okay. development uh, personal yeah. development second. So the real estate you know the real estate one is you know where individuals that are uh, investing in real estate let's just use a simple you know single family rental which has become really popular over the last you know, 10 years just because of uh, people that were you know, lost their homes and just decided to rent and decide to keep on renting. And so the, the rental market is, is huge. So typically with, you know, purchasing a rental property, you have to put a down payment and, and then a bank will lend you uh, the rest. And so what the policy loan would do is the insurance company would lend, lend you money against your, your policy uh, as, as the down payment. And then you would make that down payment, uh, you know, send the money to the, the title company, uh, and then with the cash flow that comes from that real estate, you would set up uh, a loan payback uh, to both the first mortgage company, but also the second mortgage com- well, second mortgage company, which is ultimately the insurance uh, insurance company at this standpoint. The only difference, though, is that most banks, much more, most mortgage companies, will put, you know, a lien on title, and uh, you know, if you don't pay, ba- if you don't pay, they will take, uh, you know, take the property. Uh, with the insurance company, they don't require collateral for their loans, and uh, and the collateral is the the insurance policy, and uh, and so 
you know, as far as uh, loan paybacks are concerned, it actually is very flexible. They require interest only uh, every every year at the end of the year, end of your policy year. Uh, and then you also have the opportunity to defer that until the subsequent year uh, without without penalty. Uh, so very flexible loan provisions. So the uh, then, if you want to do positive cash flow real estate, the rentals are enough to cover the underlying mortgage and to cover the payments on the insurance policy loan. Yep. Is that what you're yep. saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend buying properties that don't, that don't cash flow. So yes, yeah, so that's, that's the idea is, you and know, then over time, the idea is that the value of the real estate will grow as will the income. So that's why it's a good way to build correct. a portfolio in addition to your insurance. Correct. You're saying? Yep. Okay. So that's the first, the second one, as you say, is personal development. So you're yeah, I, think, I think it goes hand in hand with the real estate, right? Cause you know, most people, have been, condi- you know, I, I include myself in this. Most people have been conditioned just to list, listen to somebody else to tell them what to do with their money. And I don't think that's very, that's not uh, wise, wise at all. Uh, there has to be some, you know, stewardship taken by the individual. So whether it's, you know, learning about uh, purchasing investment real estate, right, which could be going to a conference or, uh, or hiring a coach or, um, you know, there's a number of ways to do that, but making an investment there, I think takes precedent over actually getting into real estate and learning on the fly. So, so, but then it goes to the personal development side of things too, uh, where, you know, learning about marketing or getting a, a certification, if you're a software developer or, you know, learning management or leadership skills, uh, you know, there's so many different courses that are, are available, uh, and they cost money, right? Whether it's travel, uh, or the, the fee that you actually pay, but you look at that investment it's the investment where you have the most control and the most certainty associated with the outcome. Now, the due diligence in advance is that, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that there's a return there. So the idea behind, you know, getting leadership training, the idea behind, you know, learning how to, uh, to, to do marketing or get a certification and, you know, design or web development or whatever, you want to make sure that, you know, it actually positions you to get more, to get a higher salary and more pay than you're currently getting. Right. So that research takes precedent, but then it's making those investments and then subsequently getting your return from an increase in salary. Yeah. Another way you say is you should borrow against the insurance or against the wealth maximization account to pay for college for your kids, or at least build up money for college tuition so that you don't have to borrow. How does that work? Well, this is, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say this about, co- I mean, I don't think college is, a, is, a, is as good of, a, of an investment as it once was. Uh, I think you have to be very, very, very similar to the due diligence you do on personal development or, or investing in any type of asset or it, it, it's doing due diligence on college too, right? Where, you know, typically parents are putting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. Their kids are taking on hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans, but what's the outcome? What's the output? Right. And I think, you know, the narrative is, has become, all right, I'm going to go to school. And I'm going to figure it out there. But then, you know, four years becomes five years, becomes six years, becomes grad school. So that's the idea is like, I think a lot more due diligence has to be done in advance of going to college, right. To understand what the outcome is, what the return is, because it's a significant burden on families. It's a significant burden on kids. And because, you know, loans can be deferred and they don't have to worry about it until in the future, that is where once they get there, and it's time to pay the piper. That's when the anxiety sets in, and a lot of people are are dealing with that right now with the, you know, the increase in you know student loan uh, defaults. So I, I won't get into any of those details, but I think the idea, you know, as far as your wealth maximization account when it comes to uh, college, I would say education, and take the same stance as you would take personal development, right? You know, some education. 
I, some jobs don't require education. I've hired you know hundreds of people over the years, right? And I don't look at where they went to college or the degree that they got because I've I've started to see that you know the positions that people are good at do not align with the actual degree that they got in college. Yeah. So I think it's you know I don't know it's a it's a really cool conversation, but I think the you know the evolution right of education is uh, is definitely worth looking into and being very cautious as far as where you put your money and how uh, you're going to get paid off because that's the that's the ultimate thing. It's like you're you're not investing for kids to go discover and find themselves, right? You're investing for kids to really just have a a career or a job or a profession that aligns with who they are and what their strengths are. And and so you know I, I look at education these days and I just have some major issues with how it's uh, being orchestrated and uh, and hence the reason why I think there's you know just some uh, major major issues with both uh, the employment space as well as the uh, the higher education space but I'll I'll leave it uh, I'll, I'll okay. leave it at that but yeah the policy you can use for whatever so whether it's college education whether it's personal development whether it's investment uh, you can just use it for your family too instead of using credit cards or automobile loans another thing you talk about is building your business separate from personal development but you could either start a business or do a franchise or expand your existing business. Why does it make sense to borrow against your life insurance policy to grow your business? Well, I think it creates a, a, a layer of, uh, of accountability. You know, I look at, you know, just the business experience I've had, but I got, I've also had the, the privilege of working with lots of business owners, right? And learn that the ideas behind business really aren't what the, make the business thrive in the end. It's really the operation of the business and the understanding of the business owner. And so the idea of, you know, capitalizing a company, most business owners will capitalize it with savings, with cash, uh, but it becomes equity, right? You can use loans and capitalize it with a loan. And when you do that, then you have a loan on the books as opposed to equity, which is, you know, in a sense, um, you know, kind of it's abstract if you think if you think about it. Uh, but a loan isn't. A loan is very cut and dry. You can book on the on the books of the of business on the balance sheet. You can book a loan, and when profits are made, loans are paid back. As opposed to this ambiguity around uh, how is equity how is equity paid back. So I look at you know just business owners in general and, and the accountability associated with its success. I can I, I say would you know ultimately leads to uh, business failure more than uh, more than anything else. Why is whole life insurance the best way to go as opposed to other kinds of cash value policies, variable insurance where you, know, you can go up and down with the stock market, universal life, index mm-hmm. universal life. There are other kinds of cash value policies. Why is whole life preferable to those? There are, yeah, and I've seen I've seen a, a number of them, right? And I think you know it comes to the scale of uh, control, uh, certainty, and risk. And I look at other policies I think have been set up to – uh, be a competitor to mutual funds, to uh, to investment-based assets. Whole life is not that. I mean, it's it's been around the longest. It has a degree of certainty that's uh, that's unmatched. And although you know other policies may beat it, uh, I would I would question whether it's worth uh, worth the risk. And so that's where it's like it's the it's a foundational asset. It's an asset that has a degree of certainty that doesn't exist with other assets, right? And you can you can bet on it. Whereas these other types of policies that are out there, there are so many different moving parts and fees and ways that they can you know be uh, adjusted by the insurance company themselves. And I I'm not comfortable with that risk. And based on you know how we position insurance as a, as a foundational asset, we don't advocate that to to clients either. Specifically, a hot area today is index universal life, IULs. At least what they say is you benefit from the upside, 
your index to the S&P 500. Yeah. If the stock market falls, there's no downside. You just get zero in a, in a year like that. But you're going to earn you know, typically 12% or much, much higher than you're ever going to get on a traditional whole life. What is your argument against IULs? Well, I mean, I think they they play they play a role. Uh, again, it comes down to what what is the outcome been, and we've seen enough you know policy illustrations and statements uh, to show that you know they have not been as successful as uh, as as the claims have made, and that's where it comes down to the language of the contract, right? Insurance is just a it's a unilateral contract, so you have to look at the language of the contract and and does that contract uh, give a sense of of certainty? And you read through them. And with all the different things they can change and modify according to you know the well-being of the insurance company and not necessarily the person buying the policy, it just doesn't make me comfortable with it because not only does a language uh, you know it's it conflicts with the the notion of certainty, uh, but I also you know just look at the actual uh, performance and the results that I've seen with just you know policy illustrations uh, that we've come across over the years, which amounts to hundreds of them, and you know it's it's uh, it's very misleading. It's unfortunate. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't advocate those just because, you know, I can make a better return on myself or a better return on with investments. Okay. Uh, and the degree of certainty that it has, you know, to me is, is, uh, is nilch. So that's where I rely on, on whole life because of what it's done over the uh, past hundred plus years, uh, without losses, always paying dividends and, you know, and with, uh, the rate of return that I may get there, which, you know, it's interesting at twelve percent, fourteen percent, I've we can we can get into those. I don't have a, we don't have a ton of time, but it's like yeah, you can get a much better return somewhere else. You have way more control over as opposed to betting on you know the insurance company being able to to you know out buy buy options and come up with hundreds of percent rate of return on their option investments. Anyway, that's yeah. my two cents. <laughs> so you you have throughout your book, which again is called Heads I Win, uh, Tails You Lose various examples of clients who've kind of turned their life around. Just give us an example or two of the difference this has made in using uh, this perpetual wealth strategy and turning people around from what from when they came into you in the first place. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, one that just come, comes out is uh, a couple that was, that's in Seattle and they're in the, uh, the tech, the tech world. And uh, they were working for some big companies, Microsoft, T-Mobile, and, um, the spouse, you know, she was a, uh, a, at a director level with T-Mobile, uh, and the husband was at Microsoft. He was at a director level too, right? And then when they started to, started to discover these principles, they realized that you know the the idea of freedom and financial freedom, uh, you know, what wasn't there because they were tied to a job, even though they were making a ton of money. Uh, and so, you know, setting this up, they also uh, learned about investment. Uh, they started to do some, you know, consulting consulting work. And uh, and then you know uh, the, the client uh, one of them bought a uh, a gaming company uh, like role playing games one of the most it has so much intellectual property and it's it's incredible and it's done millions of dollars in business right but it kind of like opened their mind to the possibilities outside of what they were taught which is you you know go to go to you know go to school you get a degree you go to you know you go to uh, you know a good strong company that's going to give you benefits and pay you a lot of money. And that's not freedom, right? And they and they discovered that, but they, and they also realized that you know the skills that they were uh, developing were valuable outside of uh, outside of those two big companies, but on their terms, which would provide more freedom for them. And they've they've crushed it. I mean, they, uh, you know, the the husband 
Um, he and they did this, you know, by design. But he when he left, uh, he still he still kept a bunch of contacts at Microsoft and in the industry. Uh, and he was offered, you know, he just got a director position uh, in Europe, over all of Europe, in uh, um, with with Financial Force, which is one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, ERPs that's uh, that's out there from enterprise accounting systems. Anyway, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they come in, you set up their foundation, but it's more than that, right? When they realize some of the principles associated with how you can uh, set up your your assets, your investments, and then what freedom it gives you to, you know, actually go out and pursue things that are, you know, they're fulfilling and meaningful. It, it provides a permission slip to do that. And I think, you know, 401ks and deferred vehicles, you know, it's kind of like it has one purpose and one purpose only, and there's no deviation from that. And I, and I just think that's not conducive necessarily to the, to the rapidly evolving society we live in. Uh, but also again, the notion of retirement, you know, I, I don't think we're meant as human beings just to kind of hang it up and say, okay, I'm done with life. You know, I'm done contributing yeah. and providing to people. I think that kills people. So you, you're, you're, the subhead of your book is a financial strategy to reignite the American dream. And that's what you mean is financial freedom and giving people the opportunity to do what they want and still be financially secure. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the origin of the, the American dream. Right? American dream was to, uh, to, to be free, right? Uh, it wasn't to you know, own a house right, or retire. That wasn't the American dream. The American dream, you know, aligns with what all people are driven to do, which is, which is, which is be free. And I think that's the, that's the drive behind retirement is freedom. Okay. But it's, I I look at not necessarily the best way, um, to, to accomplish it and achieve it. Very good. So, uh, if somebody goes to their financial planner, their existing planner and and tells them about this perpetual wealth strategy, they're probably going to say, this is crazy. They shouldn't do it. What is their resp- should their response be to their traditional financial planner using the traditional tools? Well, I I mean, if they didn't say that, if they said, "Wow, that's the best thing I've ever heard of," you know, um, I would be really surprised because that's never <laughs> ever happened. Uh, you know, but that, that again goes to the three sides of the coin, right? It's like everybody has an opinion and a bias. Period. Even though somebody may say that they're not biased, like everybody has a bias. Everyone has opinion. That's how we're wired. So you have to look at, okay, that's one opinion. What's the other opinion? And then you sit on the edge, which is that third side, and determine what's best for best for you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those things where if you go, if you go ask somebody that uh, you know it, it, it's it's a conflicting strategy or conflicting perspective, of course they're not going to tell you that it's a good thing. Indeed, very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Patrick Donahoe. He is the president at Paradigm Life. Uh, You can find out more at his website, which is ParadigmLife.net. His book is called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, A Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream. I think we've given people some pretty interesting ideas that they probably haven't heard elsewhere. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Patrick. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.